0: Hello and welcome to the Football Outsiders Data Show. I am your host Vincent Verhei. Joining me, as always, every Tuesday afternoon, is FO Editor in Chief Aaron Schatz. Aaron how, Aaron, how you doing today? I'm good. And with us, of course, uh, FO contributing writer Brian Knowles. 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 I just not
1: What one or the other? You know, I, I'm, I'm glad to be here, Bob.
0: <laughs> Perfect. Yes. Uh, We are here to discuss the uh, latest uh, statistical ramifications, tidbits, notes, trivia from what's going on in week five in the NFL. But before we do, I want to say a kind word about our good friends at Underdog Fantasy. You know, you can play on Underdog Fantasy with us and double your first deposit up to $100 with promo code OUTSIDERS. Even with NFL Best Ball season over, Underdog has other user-friendly game formats to spice up all the games. Try their Battle Royale. A six round best ball style draft with simpler chances to win the traditional daily fantasy sports sites or try their pick'em games where you can wager on players' chances to go higher or lower than their projected stat lines, even in states where traditional prop betting currently isn't available. Underdog is the fastest growing fantasy site around. Join the fun over at underdogfantasy.com or download Underdog in the App Store and use promo code OUTSIDERSNOW to double your first deposit. Up to $100. I want to thank our good friends at Underdog Doc for being a big part of the show. And now we're going to talk about what's going on around the league, which is where are all the points? It's been a very low-scoring season so far uh, through five weeks. Our best offensive team is a very surprising Seattle Seahawks. But they're number one with a DVOA of 21.3% of the 42 teams that have been first in offense through five weeks Uh, since 1981 that ranks 41st yep and just a few more basic stats uh teams are averaging averaging 21.8 points per game that would be the lowest total since 2017 there have been 88 games only been 88 games where a team has scored 21 points or more that's the lowest total since 2017 and only 36 games where a team has scored 28 points or more that's the lowest total since 2007, so points are way down around the league.
1: And I think it's mostly that uh, that top end, because there are still plenty of teams scoring 20, 21 points. But we're used to seeing games like we saw last night, between you know, the Chiefs and Raiders, where, where you know teams are pushing 30 on a more more regular basis. And that just hasn't happened. Until last night, uh, the stat was it had been the fewest 28-point games since 2001, since there were like only 31 teams in the league. The Chiefs, of course, reckoning, wrecking my stats as they do so many other things. But still, <laughs> the, this, we, we, we're seeing a big drought in like passing touchdowns specifically. Uh, I think we have our
2: first of many graphics for this show, but we think we have a graphic with raw DVOA, which is what DVOA for the league looks like before I normalize things and make it so that the whole league is zero. And if you look at the rating for the whole league, you can see it's the same thing. This is the lowest since 2017. And 2020 was like the highest. Like maybe that's because of COVID and it was a weird year. But 2020 had the highest offense of any season. And then it's gone down since then. So 2020 was so high that when I built the new over-under formula, now featured on FO Plus, by the way, went 9-7 and this week. Um, I had to have a special 2020 variable because the average scores in 2020 were higher than any other year, like by a significant amount. But you can see that like the, the performance efficiency is the lowest now that it's been since 2017. And uh, yeah, offenses are down this year
0: uh you mentioned the offense's uh uh receiving touchdowns per game are down the lowest of anything uh here it is 1.38 receiving touchdowns per game that's the fewest since 2008. i haven't done any study on this but you, you know i do quick reads every tuesday morning on football outsiders and uh the worst receiver of the week is usually a guy who had one or two catches in 10 or 11 targets so it's based on who had the most incomplete targets this year, it seems like there's more guys, they have low catch rates, but they're catching four or five passes in uh, 10 or 11 targets. But they're either not going anywhere with those catches or they're fumbling a lot. And it, it feels like there's more fumbles on completions than there have been before. I don't, I have not studied that. That could be a, a misread on my part. I don't have any hard data, but it feels like that's going a lot more. And that may be a thing with, you know, everyone's talking, oh, I shouldn't say everyone. People have been talking about how uh, the the cover the two deep safeties is all of a sudden uh, kryptonite to every quarterback in the league, and Patrick it shuts down Patrick Mahomes, it shuts down Russell Wilson, it shuts down Aaron Rodgers, and all this. I don't know about that, but I do think it allows more shorter completions, and uh, defenses have figured out that if you're going to do that, maybe they can force more fumbles because uh, receivers are not running backs and they don't, can't take the hard hits that running backs can. That's the, that's uh, speculation on my part, but that may be part of what's going on too
1: it would make sense to me as well as the sheer number of backup quarterbacks and things we've seen in the, in the game uh, so far this year, there's been a number of injuries, in the quarter position and a number of quarterbacks not performing as well as we anticipated. That leads to a lot of shorter passes, a lot of more failed completions, things of that nature. That's mean, I do the failed completions every, uh, every off season. And, you know, we're seeing a lot more people in that kind of Joe Flacco range of like, we're going to try to throw it for two or three yards and hope the receivers can make a great play. Maybe because those safeties are taking away the deep ball more than they have in recent years. Actually, backup kickers, too. There have (laughs) been more kickers than
2: than usual. And so backup kickers are coming in and missing field goals like Matthew Wright did last, although Matthew Wright hit the 59 yarder last night, but he
1: missed the easier one. He missed
2: the easier one.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's the consistency with those backup kickers more than 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 raw leg strength this thing. Anyone who's kicking an NFL game could probably can make a sixty-yard field goal. It's how often are you going to do that?
0: <laughs> and you mentioned there's a lot of uh, uh, a lot of backups playing. I think I think it was a half dozen second or third stringer quarterbacks that qualified for quick reads this week. That's you know twenty percent of the league. That's that's not ideal. Um But a lot of the offenses that have been most disappointing based on what they're actually doing. And what we we projected them to do over the offseason uh most of them it looks like have pretty healthy quarterbacks uh the biggest most disappointing offense has actually been the indianapolis colts uh the second most disappointing offense has been the denver broncos as we all saw on thursday night in uh one of the worst football games i think any of us can remember (laughs) just a, a comedy of errors and incompetence um other disappointing offenses are the super bowl teams of the rams and Bengals. And uh, the Panthers, we thought they'd be bad, but not this bad. Uh, And the same goes for the Chicago Bears, who are just at a different level of, 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 of football analysis at this point. Yeah,
2: I mean, I think that the Panthers and the Bears are an example of the fact that our projections tend to be very conservative you know because of the fact that there's such a wide range of possibilities so like we projected that the panthers and bears would be among the worst offenses in the league and they have been it's just they've been worse than the projections because the projections are closer to average than actual performances but the colts and then especially the broncos rams and Bengals, we did not think we're going to be among the worst offenses in the league and the colts are the worst offense in the league both passing and running the ball this year
0: all right that seems somewhat
2: less than ideal. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Matt Ryan. It feels like Matt Ryan is done, and like done, done, done. He can't. doesn't have the arm strength for the deep shots anymore. He doesn't have the mobility to avoid hits anymore. And without a running game or the ability to make a play with your legs or arm, I don't know what else to have there. No.
2: Um, it's interesting. Ryan is thirty-first in past DYAR so far this year. Russell Wilson is 20th, and I think that Ryan is much more washed than Wilson because one thing I noticed, Wilson, the Denver offensive numbers were reasonable going into that game, and he's still hitting deep passes. Believe it or not, Russell Wilson is second, second in DYAR on deep passes that go 16 or more yards through the air. So he's still hitting those. It's like his issues are decision-making and pocket management Not that his arm is washed. Matt Ryan, on the other hand, is 24th in deep DYAR, and he's only thrown 18 passes of that distance, which is 30th in the NFL. So that that sounds a lot more like a quarterback who's washed to me. He just can't get the ball deep.
0: Yeah, I have not seen a ton of Russell Wilson just because the Broncos tend to be on at the same time I'm watching other games. Um, But from what I have seen, his issues... Look much less physical to me than mental. Um, the inter the the, the interception he threw, uh, the, the panic under pressure, lob up a dock fading backwards off of one foot that goes ten feet over his receiver's head. That's not a Russell Wilson play. That doesn't doesn't look like anything I've ever seen him do. Uh, if anything, it would have been, have been the opposite where he tried too hard and and uh, uh, tried to break a tackle and tried to throw under pressure and made a mistake, but. He's never thrown a ton of interceptions, multiple interceptions in the scoring range. That that's not a thing he's ever done. Um, missing the open receiver on the uh, fourth and one play at the end there—that's not typically something he's done. He—he's the guy who has—he I mean, almost made a Chris Matthews Super Bowl MVP. He—he's the one who who doesn't rely on his until, until last couple of years when Seattle's death start disappeared. But he's the guy who who, who would take anonymous receivers and make them stars on a random Sunday afternoon. Um, so it's weird that he would be so focused on on uh, the first read and not notice the other guy striding wide open to the end of the end zone. It's very strange. It's very disconcerting. It's very unsettling, uh, disappointing, obviously. But he looks lost. He looks like he has no idea what's going on, and it's a whole different sport than when he's been playing for the past decade.
1: He's also not getting a lot of help because I I believe uh, Mike pointed this out in the uh, DVOA preview for available for FO Plus subscribers uh, on Monday that the Broncos lead the league in dropped passes as well. So when Wilson is getting the ball out there, his receivers aren't helping him out. And that's it it doesn't matter how good you are if your your receivers aren't making the catch. I think the Broncos can turn it around, theoretically.
2: Yeah, theoretically, I think the Broncos can be better than this, but they have a hole they have to dig themselves out of. I mean, he he has been better than this. Like, I watched... In preparation for last Thursday's live stream, I watched the Raiders-Broncos game, and I thought Wilson looked really good, and apparently that's the game where he injured his shoulder, and I still think he looked pretty good in that game. And then he came out the next week and was horrible on national television, and everyone saw that, and so now we're all talking about how washed he is. But I, 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 I do feel like there's still something there for him if he can right the ship. Um, I just, I don't think that that's the case with Matt Ryan and useful title points out in the discussion. Don't forget you can discuss with us. If you are listening live and watching live one o'clock Eastern on Tuesdays, be part of the discussion. He says the hubris of thinking that Matt Pryor could be a starting left tackle in the NFL is coming back to bite the Colts. And yeah, like absolutely. Their offensive line has not been the force that it's been in last year. In the last few years. And then this week, they moved prior to right tackle and they put Bernard Raymond in at left tackle, and it really wasn't much better.
0: No, it's never good when you're still sorting out your starting offensive of line in week five. Yeah. That is not an ideal thing. Uh, plenty of disappointment going around for both teams there. Uh, let's see. So then moving on to the Super Bowl teams we discussed, the Rams and Bengals have uh, both been struggling out of the gate actually one real quick note on denver before we move on i just want to point out that they probably have time to write their shit. but the problem is as aaron mentioned the hole they have dug i don't think kansas city is slowing down anytime soon no. um denver's real realistic ceiling right now is a wild card team and uh that's you know we're first week in october we're already writing them off out of the division that's not ideal but moving back to the uh, rams and Bengals now uh they're both struggling. And I watched the Rams. I wrote the Rams chapter for Football Outsiders Almanac 2022. I watched all their games in the playoffs last year and studied their offseason moves. And it just feels like everything that you could have predicted that might have gone wrong for the Rams has gone wrong for the Rams. Uh, the loss of Andrew Whitworth has been huge. Uh, they're getting offensive line injuries, and they don't have the depth to back up those offensive line injuries, injuries offensive line injuries. Because they've traded away every draft pick they've had for the past five years. Uh Cooper Cup is still a great receiver, but he's no longer the one-man show. And, he, and when you have the best wide receiver season statistically anyone's ever had, if you combine regular season and playoffs, there's only one way to go, and that's down. So he's now he's uh, a ninety-seventh percentile season instead of a one hundredth percentile season. Uh but Allen Robinson does in fact look like washed up. He was it was not he was not just a product of the system in Chicago. Uh um <laughs> Tutu well actually had a big catch this week. He probably Tutu had
2: a a big catch, like that's yes. his whole career so far. He's had yes. a year and a quarter and he's had a big catch.
0: Yeah, and uh Matthew Stafford, who has always made a lot of big plays and a lot of mistakes, and last year he made just enough big plays to cover up those mistakes and This year, he's not doing it. He's not finding the big plays, but the mistakes are still there. So that's the troubling for the Rams, that all this is predictable. Uh, And Cam Eakers, when he came back for the playoffs, was terrible in the playoffs. He's been terrible so far this year. So this is why uh, I think these Rams, they just are what they are at this point. This is more or less what they're going to be. All of this is predictable, even if in mass, it is, you know, every worst-case scenario has been a worst-case scenario.
1: Yeah, and they're and unlike say, with the Broncos, I don't know how the Rams get out of this because it is a lot of this is depth. They don't have you know the offensive line depth. They don't have the receiver depth in the background. There's not someone sitting there waiting that oh maybe this person will get better, maybe this person will move up. The Rams went all so much all in last year. They do not have the resources to make up for. Well, things aren't going so great right now. They don't have that you know promising second uh, year, third round pick kind of guy who might take the next step. They just they they don't have the tools. It looks like right now, to you know swap anyone out to make anything better. They need better performance across the board from pretty much everyone they have. That is a tough ask. I will say also we're talking offense here in general, but just to briefly turn it to defense,
2: um, they lost some cornerbacks and there was a question about young cornerback depth. That's been a problem. Yep. Uh, they lost Vaughn Miller, and there was a question about where pass rushers would come from, uh, other yep. than Leonard Floyd and Aaron Donald. That's been a problem.
0: Yeah, I'm uh, looking at the uh, leading round receivers, Cooper Cup. Of course, there's 49 catches. Then it's the tight end, Tyler Higby with 33. And then wide receiver slash fullback, Ben Skournick. And then tied for fourth place with a dozen each, it's Allen Robinson and Daryl Henderson. And that's not even a full-time running back. There's Tyler Robinson there. Uh, Robinson's catching barely half his passes, averaging less than nine yards per catch. He looks like the uh, scattered crumbs of what we have Can't once. Can't get ever. open.
2: Can't get open. He's basically useful on goal line fades, and that's about you know where he can
1: use his body physically. And otherwise, that's it. He's just contested catches at this point. Yeah, you'd make this trade a uh, hundred times out of a hundred for the Rams win a Super Bowl and then be, be terrible the next year. But yes. people say that always, like conceptually. Oh yeah, I would trade a horrible season for for you know a Super Bowl championship. Not many people actually get to experience what that's actually like immediately afterwards. Usually, it's a little yes. bit of a of a of a coasting downfall,
2: right? Yeah. The, uh, the note you came up with before the show is: this is only the third time that the two defending Super Bowl teams have had a losing record through five games, and the first time since the Broncos and the Falcons in 1999. Yeah. And at least the Broncos had the excuse that year that John Elway had retired.
0: The Broncos lost on Elway, and the Falcons—they uh, were a really good team in nineteen ninety-eight when they made the Super Bowl. They were not a good team in the years leading up to it, and not a good team in the year after years after. Yep. So they, that's just kind of a one-year wonder, fluke season kind of thing. So uh, that kind of that makes some sense. Yep. And moving on to this year's Bengals, um, it just feels like they're this is the offense we saw for most of the season in twenty um, they're, they're they have serious pass protection issues. They, uh, you know, Burrow threw a ton of interceptions last year, too. And they're just not quite getting those one or two deep balls per game that made them a more dangerous offense late in the season in the playoffs. So they still have Jamar Chase. They're using him like Rondale Moore, throwing him a bunch of screens. I don't quite understand that. I'm not sure the thought process behind it's that the one.
2: Cover two, man. The, uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but some people have posted it online. Like Burrow really struggles against the cover, two. And they can't get Chase open
0: deep. And in, in theory, the solution to that is if, if they're taking that extra safety out of the box, you run more. But I know until this week, Joe Mixon was a regular uh, in the bottom five running backs in the DYAR standings and quick reads every week. So uh, they, they we, we all knew their biggest weakness coming into the year. They tried like hell to fix their biggest weakness coming into the year. And it hasn't happened. Their offensive line is still a nightmare. I don't know what to do about that (laughs) because they tried. They recognized the weakness and tried to fix it, and none of their solutions have worked out.
1: Yeah, honestly, I think the the fun the underlying thing the Bengals is that getting to the Super Bowl last year was was probably two or three years too early on their on their uh, timeline. As it were, you know they 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 got Super Bowl. After a mediocre regular season, after a significantly improved year from the year before, but like, oh, this is like the first year that's good. And then next year we build on that and build on that and build on that. But by getting to the Super Bowl last year, they get such huge expectations for this year. And no, now they've come back to where they should be on the developmental curve to a certain extent. Yeah. And you know, oh, let's talk to the Bengals. Nothing is wrong with the Bengals per se. They're just back to what they what we thought they were before they went on a, a great one for a month.
0: I remember somebody saying, you know, a long time ago, obviously, but a similar thing about the very early years of the Tom Brady Patriots. That's the, me. The who's 2001 Patriots were not supposed to get to and win the Super Bowl. Yes. Uh, they, on the way
2: to building a, a, a dynasty, the Patriots somehow stumbled into a Super Bowl championship. Yes. Even though, by our numbers, the 2002 team that missed the playoffs was better than the <laughs> 2001 team that won the Super Bowl.
0: Uh, yeah, so it, it sort of sticks out like a spike there. I'm, I'm certainly not saying the Bengals are going to go on to win a half dozen Super Bowls over the next decade or anything, but uh, last year's success and and, and the uh, I don't want to say fluky, but the un unpredictable nature of that success probably raised expectations a little higher than they should have been for this year. And this is still a, still a young building team. All 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 of their stars are still you know on the right side of thirty, so uh, um, you know they're kind of maybe where Denver is where they're probably shooting for a wild card at this point, but uh, better days are ahead and they seem to have things much more attractive track than the Denver Broncos do. Uh, another part of this thing with offenses being down league wide is there is a, a a vacuum of young quarterbacks right now. It feels like uh, not in the, not in the two year, three year, four year range where you have you know, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, they're doing just fine. But the 2021 rookies have uh, like collectively fallen on hard times. There was, Five quarterbacks drafted in the first round that year. And then Davis Mills has also ended up being a starter. And uh, most of them are not doing well right now. Trevor Lawrence has a DVOA of 9.7%. That puts him 12th. He's he's been up and down, making a lot of mistakes in scoring range this year. That's cost the Jacksonville some winnable games. Uh, Trey Lance is injured, of course. Um, Not much else to say about that. But the the other four who have been starting, Zach Wilson, Davis Mills, Mac Jones, Justin Fields all have DVOAs in the negative range. They're all below average. Justin Fields is putting up immeasurably bad stats in uh, in almost everything. He's actually very similar. His completion percentage is rock bottom. His sack rate is sky high. But he does hit big plays. That's Tim Tebow. (laughs) He's he's, he's like (sighs) a poor man Tim Tebow at this point. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But – uh, these are young guys. It's it's year two for them. Uh, year five is or year two is starters for most of them, except Lance, who's going to be a first-time starter this year. You'd like to see some improvement in there, and except for Lawrence, who is still around, around the middle of the pack in the and league, to- that improvement just has not been there.
2: Wilson's improved, but it's only been two games. So yeah, it's, it's been- only been two games,
0: no. and he, and he, his, his improvement has been from horrible to a little below average. Right. Yeah.
1: yeah, i mean that, that that's a great step but yeah lance wilson and jones have all missed time fields is part of the worst passer in football and, and the worst passer in football in quite some time i don't think he's the worst quarterback just because he can make some make some plays with his legs and whatnot which puts him above say a baker mayfield or something but he is the worst thrower i have seen in, in a long time and it's not getting better you
2: Useful title says Trevor Lawrence reminded him of Carson Wentz circa 2019 when I saw him play against the Eagles. That's not, that's not a good.
0: Uh, no, no, that no, uh, was the one. That, yeah, the the offense only scored seven points in that game, and uh, yeah, that was that was one of his worst games for sure. Uh, that, that that was the uh, four fumble game, right?
1: Yeah,
0: yes. That's not. Yeah, that's yeah, not yeah. good. Yeah, you don't want four fumbles.
2: Um, uh, Jay Molnar asks. If you took Kenny Pickett versus the 2021 field other than Lawrence, who would you rather have? I would have I would rather have the 2021 field because honestly what you saw from Mac Jones last year, mm-hmm. like yeah he struggled a little bit in his first couple of games this year, but last year is a much larger sample yeah. than the first couple of games this year. Plus, if Trey Lance can ever stay healthy, he's a much better prospect than Pickett. So I would I would much rather have the my choice of the 2021 class uh, other than Lawrence, then I would re- then have Pickett at this point.
1: Yeah, I, I'd probably take Pickett over some of the individual quarterbacks, but if you're giving me the other five, I mean, uh, just just numbers alone is give me the 2021 yeah.
0: class. I would take Pickett over Fields. Uh, I'd probably still take Pickett over Mills. Uh, but yeah, uh, the, what, what Jones has done and what Trey Lance still could do, because uh, his ceiling is obviously much higher than Pickett. So let's just put it that way. Uh, and of course, the uh, veterans are having some rough years too. We've mentioned Matt Ryan and Russell Wilson. Aaron Rodgers is only uh, 14th in DVOA. Kyler Murray is 17th, and I've watched some Cardinals games. That, that feels high, honestly. <laughs> it's like he should be lower than that. Um, they're both, you know, out of the top 10, middle of the pack. Although the thing of Murray is, he he he's just so horrible in the first half and so good late in laden games. So uh, that, that's a weird split that you figure at some point would even out. But it just hasn't yet. They keep digging themselves big holes and then rallying for either a miraculous win or a heartbreaking loss. Uh, that's been their whole season thus far. You know, he's a big gamer.
1: Have... He's just looking for to find a way to get to first half skip so he can just start in the second quarter and then, you know, be, be, be good to go from there.
0: I, th- I think it was uh, our old buddy Bill Barnwell who said if the Cardinals could just use their fourth quarter playbook for four quarters, they'd be undefeated. And probably not wrong. Uh, there's seven teams right now that are averaging less than six yards per play. Oh, excuse me. Seven teams have averaged under six yards per play in every game this season. And the Bengals are on there. That's surprising. Uh, the Cardinals, Colts, Steelers, Panthers, Jets, and Bears. Less surprising. Uh, but the, the, you know, they, you, you figure the Bengals would have one explosive play or, or, or one explosive game somewhere in five weeks, but it hasn't happened yet. But that's... The, Seven teams are just kind of stuck in the mud and, and, and can't get the home run ball.
1: I've got one more stat against the Jets that I didn't actually put in the list because I found that out uh, just early this morning. The Jets have yet to play a game where both teams have had their starting quarterback the entire way. And in games where they've had their starter, they're undefeated. And in games where their opponent had the starter, they've lost everything. So that explains the Jets season uh, perfectly right there.
0: Well, I mentioned one of those bad teams that can't get uh, under six yards per play every week, the Carolina Panthers. They, of course, fired Matt Rule this week. He is out as head coach after going 11 and 27. Uh, the worst win loss percentage for a non replacement coach in Carolina history is my texting. I'm going to try to turn that off. But why do not you guys uh, have some thoughts here on Matt Rule, the dearly departed Matt Rule? He sucks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next are. topic. I- I'm not even sure that that sucks. Is even the right
1: way to do it. He's like, he got hired in that way because, oh, he was this miracle turnaround coach in college. Well, the, the skills you need to turn around a college program quickly are not remotely related to the skills you need to turn around an NFL team. Career. You
2: don't sit down with mom and have some scones and talk her into sending her son to your school in the National Football League
1: you can't just get all the most athletic people around and then just out physical skill opponents. You, you know, you have to actually have strategies and, and plans and just that was never there.
0: There was there, there a reason very, very few coaches have had success in both the college game and the NFL. It's Jimmy Johnson it's Pete Carroll. And that's mostly the end of the list. Uh, they're different sports. I'm mad at Carolina because uh, I picked them to get the first overall draft pick in 2020. They didn't get it, and I picked them to get the first overall draft pick in 2021, 20, and they didn't get it, and I was just about to pick them for the third year in a row when they traded for Baker Mayfield, and I thought that was enough to get them off the floor, and so, of course, this is the year they're going to get the first overall draft pick when I didn't pick them. I'm sore yeah. the Panthers for picking this year to be really lousy.
2: They uh, get the number one pick in something like 28% of our simulations at this point, so still—I mean, there's still a long way to go, but...
0: This is really high for twelve weeks ago, though.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's one it's, out of four. Yeah, they're thirty first right now on overall. They're thirty first in offense. Matt Rule was one in twenty seven whenever opponent scored seventeen or more points. It's been really bad. I think. I think the interesting question here is like, what kind of a job this is for someone to take? Because on one hand, you might get the top overall pick. Mm-hmm. On the other hand. They only have 4 draft picks left, uh, for next year cuz they've traded them away for players like Stefan Gilmore and LaVisca Kshanol. And they are 26.5 million million in the red as far as cap space for next year.
1: Yeah. They the, they have no picks, they have no space cuz they they have kind of, they've kind of gone all in on this team and that is a bad look. That that That's is a disaster. Depressing. That's very
0: depressing. Um,
1: I I, I, can't, uh, I have a list here of, of everything the the Panthers have given up for quarterbacks since Matt Rule's been there. They gave, they gave up a sixth round pick in twenty twenty one, a second round pick and two fourth round picks in twenty twenty two, a third round pick in twenty twenty three, a fourth or fifth round pick in twenty twenty four, depending, and about sixty one million dollars. That's for Teddy Ridgewater, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, and Matt Corral, and um. That's bad. That's there, there's nothing there so far.
0: And I just, they, the, the first year 2020 was uh I think it was his first year was 2020 but he, he got uh, uh they had Teddy Bridgewater it was he was okay, wasn't great but he was okay. And they decided to move on and go to Sam Darnold, which I thought was a terrible decision at the time and history has proven me correct on that one. Mm-hmm. And they keep changing quarterbacks and things are still getting better. <laughs> And they keep changing quarterbacks in the worst possible way. I mean, they brought Baker
1: Mayfield in after Independence Day. They basically had to miss the entire offseason program. And, you know, they thrust him into a quarterback competition with Sam Darnold, of all people. Yeah, they they traded
0: for him late and still had him trade time and and not get his reps in. So he's still in the preseason, basically. Um, Yeah. and they did all this while not giving,
1: you know, their rookie quarterback, who you, someone you might theoretically want to turn to. Matt Carl basically got no reps in most of the training camp because they were busy with this mock quarterback competition between Mayfield and Darnold that Mayfield was always going to win. And now all three of those guys, Mayfield, Darnold and Carl, are all hurt. So it'll be, it's going to be the P.J. Walker show uh, for the next couple weeks, at least. You said you are angry at the Panthers for you know uh, not for just now getting the first round pick. I'm angry at the Panthers because I had to like watch Matt Rule all offseason because I wrote the Panthers chapter for the book this year. Ooh, I had to try to oh, explain why God. the heck you would keep Matt Rule, and I never came up with a satisfactory answer to that. And now you got to explain why you fired him after five games if you kept him for the entire offseason. I mean, what what's the point of firing him now as opposed to you know last January or next January? What? what what benefit do you get for getting rid of him and getting 12 games with Steve Wilkes? What's what's the point of any of this? Embarrassment. The point is that the
2: owner of the Panthers
1: is embarrassed
2: and he's trying to save himself from embarrassment by grasping at straws to do anything to make this team better.
0: Well, it brings up an interesting question because the last two topics we discussed were A, the Panthers sucking and B, young quarterback sucking. So, In a what-if universe, here's uh, some of the quarterbacks the Panthers had a chance to draft and did not. Jordan Love, Justin Fields, Mac Jones, and Kenny Pickett. Had they drafted any of those four quarterbacks, would Matt Rule still be employed? That's a very fair question. I don't know the answer.
2: No, I think we have no idea what the answer is because we don't know – what it would be like for rule to develop a young quarterback because he hasn't had a young, I mean, Darnold doesn't count. Darnold had already played three years for the jets. He hasn't had like a first year quarterback. We don't know what a rookie quarterback would look like under his watch.
1: And it's interesting that rule had some, uh, you know, personnel control too. It's, it's weird that they never even took a swing. You know they took a swing on tackles and cornerbacks and all these their first round picks, but you know, they decided just you know rather than rather than grab a prospect who could who even from like a self preservation perspective you go well we you know we're developing them. this takes time. Instead they they trade a ton of capital and a ton of cash for players who failed in other places.
0: Yeah, it's always a always a good recipe for success. Let's find somebody else's uh, rejects in the yeah. championship team.
1: This. Derek this Rest- was- yeah. This week has also been very interesting because uh, it gets the 49ers and the talk leading up to this game was Jimmy Garoppolo admitting that the Panthers were the ones who came closest to trading for him before the shoulder injury and everything scared everyone else away. There was a world where the Jimmy Garoppolo led Panthers just beat the Brock Purdy led San Francisco 49ers and Matt Rule still has a job.
0: I think <laughs> yep. that's the answer more than drafting any of those guys if they had drafted for, or excuse me, traded for Garoppolo. Uh, I that remember is-
2: that world from Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. <laughs> it was the maddest of all possible worlds.
0: Garoppolo with a third eyeball in the middle of his forehead was a shock. <laughs> I'm going tell you, uh, not not so handsome Jimmy G in that case. Uh, Derek Resler there's a question about the Panthers. Do you think the Panthers' prognosis would have been better with retaining Joe Brady at offensive coordinator? They went from league average with poor weapons in 2020 to horrible in 21 and 22. Uh, Brian, as the Panthers. Uh, most recent writer, I think you're the one most qualified to answer that question right here. They'd be
1: more interesting at the very least. And that, that that would help a lot. That would probably would have would have kept the 49ers fans from taking over the stadium this week and getting that embarrassment which triggered Will's firing. Yeah. Uh better, you know, they might be approaching league average, maybe, but I really don't see like there's a there's just a talent problem at quarterback and and receiver honestly and uh, while I think Brady would have done better at shuffling deck chairs around he would he probably wouldn't have tried to turn Christian McCaffrey into a between the tackles runner like Ben McAdoo and Rule have have done so far but I'm not sure good was ever in the cards. Yeah I agree Joe
2: Brady would be better than what they've had but I don't think it's suddenly. Tur- I don't think it suddenly turns them into a good team. So the, the prognosis would have been better, but it would not have necessarily
0: been good. It's probably better to do a fresh reset and get everyone out the door. Uh, speaking of which, what Panthers stars are on hand that they may, might be able to ship elsewhere to get some reasonable assets. Cause as you noted, the, the, the cupboard in terms of both draft picks and cast space in the future is pretty bare. Uh, DJ Moore is their best trade candidate. Uh, they could cut him next offseason. It would cost them $35 million in dead cap. Uh, But while trading him, would free up $10 million in space in 2023. And there's a lot of teams right now that could use some receivers. Uh, And the other star you'd think of is Christian McCaffrey. But the way the cap is set up, the way his contract is set up, it wouldn't really make a big dent in the uh, salary cap to move on from him one way or another. So you can only trade him if you find someone crazy, desperate enough to give you a, a bushel full of draft picks, yeah, um, there were
1: some rumors on on the, on Twitter uh, yesterday that you know, the, well, maybe the Bills, the Bills are looking at it. Oh and like God. that would be that—that's one of the <laughs> things which would be bad for both sides. Like, everybody like,
2: yeah. has to. Everybody wants to send running backs to the Bills. We did this before the draft. We've got we've done this for two or three years. Everybody's mm-hmm. like, what the Bills really need is a running back. What the Bills really need is a running back. Yeah, that's the problem with the Bills. Yeah. God, you know, the Bills would be a good team if they just had a better running back. Right now, they suck. But God, if they had a better running back, boy, oh, boy, oh, they'd be unstoppable. Like, yes, what we need to do is take the ball out of Josh Allen's hands and run for three and a half yards a carry. That's what the Bills need to do. Sure. The AFC would love this. That, that they, think they can endorse this plan. Um, I'm not a big fan of trading DJ Moore. Because I would not want to leave next year's number one quarterback pick. Thank you. In the Justin Fields scenario. Yes. Like, uh, you've you... got to have veteran receivers who can help him learn how to play in the NFL. You do not want the situation Justin Fields is in. So I think, like, I mean, if you can get anything for Robbie
1: Anderson, great. But I think I would keep more around. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the other variable on that is, of course, that Moore has been very unhappy uh, in uh, in uh, in Carolina for the, for the past few months, personally because everything's been crashed. So one goal for whoever the new head coach is going to be is making sure DJ Moore is happy to be there because you don't have that many playmakers, and getting rid, rid of the few you have is not going to help in the short term.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with all that. It's better just swallow that short-term financial hit to – it's an investment in whatever young quarterback you have in 2023 uh, so that he is ready to win when you do have cast base in 2025. So he's, they're going to be stuck for a couple of years down the uh, uh, lower quartile of the NFL. Now, uh, we have an opening here. Matt Rule has, is gone. Uh, who is going to be the next Panthers head coach? Uh, we have some betting odds here where the favorite appears to be Sean Payton followed by Dan Quinn, Shane, Shane Strichen, Kellen Moore, D'Amico Ryans is a fun name to think about, Ben Johnson, Jim Caldwell, and Steve Wilkes at plus 1,200, bringing up the rear. Um, I'm pretty sure that the whole world knows Sean Payton is just – Sean Payton and the Dallas Cowboys are just waiting for the right time to do their meat cute and uh, I think that's Eshton Stone. Yeah, I, I don't, I, I, I I don't can't the imagine the with Super Rush is going to change that.
2: I can't imagine that the Saints – who own Peyton's rights, and this, I thought they only own Peyton's rights for a year. They own Peyton's rights through 2024. There is no way they are letting him go within the division. It's bad enough that they probably will let him go in the conference. There's no way that they are, there's, there's no way that the Panthers could outbid the Cowboys by so much that the Saints would go, okay, we'll have
1: Sean Payton in our division. It's not going to happen. Yeah, Payton has has stoked the fives of the sum by saying that the Panthers' job looks very intriguing and like and very welcoming because you're going to have a top young quarterback and stuff like that. But no, th- that would just be the the Saints are capable of doing many dumb things. That would be one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. If you take your, you you're, know, you're
2: not know. going to have a top quarterback when the Saints ask you for the number one overall pick in the yes. draft in return yeah. for Sean Payton. Right. Um, I will say I like the idea of teaming a young defensive mind with a number one quarterback—the Tony Dungy plus Peyton Manning theory. Mm-hmm. Right. Let the quarterback handle the offense. Get a young offensive mind on the offensive coordinator side, but have a coach who's more of a defensive mind. So I would love the idea of D'Amico Ryan's. Um, (laughs) I think it's more likely that the owner will think if we're drafting a number one quarterback, we need to get an offensive mind to work with him. And they're more likely to hire Kellen Moore or Shane Strichen. Stricken, Stricken. I don't know how to pronounce that one.
1: Yeah.
2: Yes. Jay Molnar is bringing up some other good examples of uh, Staley and Herbert is a young defensive mind with a top drafted quarterback Uh, Tomlin came along later in Ben Roethlisberger's career, but McDermott and Allen is a good example also. Yeah, so uh, he's higher like a D'Amico Ryans, but I think it's more likely they go with an offensive mind.
0: Carroll's already in Seattle first, but they they pair the defensive coach with a rookie quarterback and got to Super Bowl in year two. Um, So it it, it has a track record. It has a track record. Uh, Yeah, I don't have a strong opinion on which of these assistants is – Going to be uh, the Panthers guy, except I agree is not Sean Payton for many reasons. Uh, but uh, next question is more fun. The current odds: the next poach, next coach to leave the post. <laughs> Nathaniel Hackett is minus one ninety. That amuses me. Uh, other nominees: Frank Reich, Cliff Kingsbury, Ron Rivera, Dan Cam, Dan Campbell. Oh yeah, uh, they're they're all kind of wavering out the pack behind Nathaniel Hackett because things are not going well in Denver and many of them can be tracked back to a team that often looks like they show up on game day completely unprepared to play and surprised there's actually a football game today and maybe not even sure what this brown egg-shaped object is and what they're supposed to do with it um, I mean
1: it doesn't help that Hackett was also hired by the previous ownership so they have new right. owners as well so there's no, there's no loyalty or no like you know long-term plan there That's not great. I mean, minus 190 are terrible odds. I wouldn't bet on Hackett at those odds, but uh, I mean, he's the favorite for a very, very well-thought-out reason.
0: Of the names listed there with those odds, I would probably take Frank Reich at plus 500. uh, Yeah, which is too
2: bad, because I think Frank Reich is a good head coach. I don't think what's going on in India is really his fault, but... Right, I think
1: I think if Reich does go, he will eventually get another job and stuff like that. Sure, I don't think if Ron Rivera goes, he'll get another job. I think this is his last last go around. And the Commanders are terrible. The Commanders, like the the, Command, we get to see them on Thursday night against the Bears, and it kind Ah! of like that could be like if you if you told me for sure someone was going to get canned this week. That's what would be my <laughs> guess, that, that you know, the Grandis would come out on Thursday and look terrible against the Bears, and that would be it for Rivera. I hope the
2: Bears get the ratings that these TV networks want, because, my God, they <laughs> stuff them down our throat on prime time to a ridiculous extent given how good that team is. Chicago better be the greatest football market in the
0: country times 137. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um... Uh, with the odds, I they Frank Wright? Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury. They just—I know it's not going well, but they just signed into a big extension. I think he, at the the very least, he finishes out the year. Yeah. Rivera is a good pick. Uh, Dan Campbell, I think, finishes the year. Uh, yeah, I, I would go with either Wright or Rivera, and actually, the, the payoff's better for Rivera. So if I was going to bet on this, I'm 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 talking myself into picking that one instead now.
1: But yeah, Hackett, Hackett just, Hackett has felt like a dead man walking since about the first half of week one. So uh, that it, it has not been an auspicious start to his uh,
0: head coaching career. No. Um, and the, the, the first two or three weeks, it was obvious uh, strategic errors and clock mismanagement and that kind of thing. And now it's just, this team just looks so bad. <laughs> It's, it's, and
1: and we get them on night Monday yet. night. So we get all all kinds of these these great coaches in in isolated primetime
0: games. Enjoy week, week Here's the other, other thing about Denver: if their running backs just hang on to the ball, they're probably four and one right now. Yeah, everyone in the league is like that this year, man. Well, that's true. That is true. Everything is so close. All the games are so close. The teams are all clustered together. Every you can say something similar about everybody uh moving on our third down item here so and this is actually still need me to think about it the record for passing yards in an nfl game is 554 yards by norm van brocklin uh was that with the rams or eagles I which one rams. It was. that was the rams okay it was in 1951 so we're at 70 years now this record has stood teams are passing more than ever every year teams are passing better than ever every year and somehow this record just won't fall. It's really stunning. Um, Josh Allen was threatening it. He had 348 yards in the first half, but uh, not even, what is that, about 70 yards afterwards. So the the, the, the Bills just took the foot off the gas. At some day, at some point, this record's going to fall. All records eventually do. But it's been 70 years now and it hasn't happened yet.
2: It's going to take a shootout. It's going to take like a 54 to 51 game for this record to fall.
1: Yeah. The 1950s Rams, I mean, don't get me wrong. They were, they were innovative for the time. Like They like really were showing that like, they were the first team to go to three wide receiver sets and things like that. But that, that one day, that 554 a day still sticks out like a sore thumb But everything you know about history and everything you know about everything else. It was set against the New York Yanks, a team most notable now for no longer existing. Uh, According to to players on the Yanks, they just did not pass rush Van Brocklin at all in in that one game in 1951, uh, which seems like a poor strategy. And Van Brocklin only threw for 1,700 yards that year. That one game was a third of his passing total. It is it is it is a, inconceivable that this would still be the record seven years on. And the closest person to come to it has been Matt Schaub in an overtime shootout. Someone is going to get this record down eventually, but until then, Van Brocklin laughs at you.
0: I wrote about a game Johnny Lujak had against the New York Yanks in quick Reed's. He was he was only he's only three rushing touchdown, one passing touchdown list with Taysom Hill. Um, the New York Yanks,
2: the team so poor it could not afford an E. <laughs>
0: It's New York Yanks week at Football Outsiders. Uh, the there's, there's an untapped before. market. There's a niche market we need to target. Uh, target. The, the, the absentee New York Yanks fans desperate for some football yeah, announcements. They've been
1: waiting 70 years to have, you know, for someone to acknowledge them. And we can be there. We can be for them.
2: We're there. We're there for them.
0: Um, any guesses on who might top that 550 yards, Mark? As you mentioned, it has got to be a shootout um, that – and the, the top shootout team right now would be Detroit, which the idea of Jared Goff setting the passing yardage record is comical. But like you say, the last record was weird.
1: And Goff has been involved in three of the top twenty scoring games in NFL history. You know, that's he, true. He's he's able to be there, like against the Chiefs, for example. You know, he was he was there and able to maybe not manage step by step, but manage well enough to keep his team in the game.
2: I feel like. The Bills' defense is too good, yes. and Allen runs too much Right for Allen to be the guy who does it. Um, it's, the funny thing is, you want to know the quarterback whose team is most likely to just give up on the run and just pass the ball nonstop? Tom Brady. It would be <laughs> hilarious so. if Tom Brady at the age of 45 challenged this record. Yeah. Uh, and Jay Molnar says that with Kansas City playing Buffalo, this might actually be the week for it to happen. I, I think there's going to be more defense in that game than people realize. But
0: yeah, you know, Brady's already had a game this year where he only handed off six times. So yeah. you're right. And
2: Kansas City, Andy Reid has a very strong pass run ratio, but he's never going to have a game where he just doesn't run the ball at all. Yeah, so that's the thing that's sort of standing in Mahomes' way is that the Chiefs will always. Run the ball a little
0: bit. And Mahomes ahead. is not Allen, but he, he he runs some too. He scrambles some too. So a no bit. not to quite play. like Allen, but yeah, not like Allen, but yeah.
1: I'm gonna skip ahead a little bit here because uh, we mentioned Brady. In his career, Brady is 17 and nine when throwing for 50 or more passes, which means he's thrown 50 or more passes, you know, 26 times. Every other quarterback in NFL history is 124, 491, and 10. So a massive losing record when throwing 50 times. Brady has seventeen wins. The only other quarterbacks with even five wins are Dan Marino and Warren Moon. Tom Tom Brady just—you can find any stat you want. Tom Brady's crazy out there. Yeah.
0: yeah, there there was a Patriots game too where they really passed like twenty times in a row. So yeah, uh, I, well, you know, yeah, they had games where they were just like, oh, I'm sorry, is this run defense good? Well,
2: we can just not going to run against them. We'll just pass, yes. pass, pass. pass.
0: Yeah, they, 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 yeah, and when you have Tom Brady, he says, "I want to throw a lot today." You say, "Okay, Mister Brady," and you hand him the ball and get out of his way. Uh, Josh Allen this week uh, became the 12th member of the 2020 club: 20 completions and 20 yards per completion, which is, you know, if you anything about math, <laughs> that, that, that's a very hard stat to uh, to accomplish. Uh, Van Brocklin is on the list. Uh, then going back to history, Tony Romo. Randall Cunningham, Dan Marino twice, which is awesome. Jeff Hostetler, Tommy Kramer, Daryl LaMonica, which is a name you would guess would be on there. Charlie Johnson, George Blanda, Sid Luckman. So th- this is a relic of the past. It- it's hard to average twenty yards completion when you're throwing five wide receiver screens a game. That that will kill your yards per completion to average in a hurry. Yeah,
1: I don't have the number here, but like the the very first pl- uh, very the very first touchdown, the ninety-eight yard bomb from his end zone. Uh, the the I think the longest pass. From inside your own two this year had gone five air yards, that one went 40 air yards. Yes. You're not supposed to be able to do that. And, and when you have it, when you start the game with 90 yard completion, it's 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 relatively easy to keep those air yards up, especially when you don't pass it all in the second half.
0: Yeah. My, one of my favorite stats and quick reads this week: Josh Allen finished first in the league in average depth of target and also finished first in yards after catch per completion. <laughs> <laughs> and. And yes, the the, one play 40 40 air yards and 60 yards after the catch played a big part in both of those stats.
1: I mean, it it was about as perfect as the first half as you can get. And if the Steelers had given any kind of competition, maybe maybe Allen does take down that Van Brocklin record. But there was just no, you know, you can't score three points and and, then expect the other team to keep passing on you.
0: Uh, Josh Allen now has 150 total offensive touchdowns. Got there the third fastest player ever to hit 150 offensive touchdowns behind only Patrick Mahomes and Dan Marino. That's a very good company there. You're uh, pretty good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're moving on to the other random stats. New to, we're, co- we're close
2: to the end here.
0: We yeah. are close to the end. and we've gone We close should, to an we hour, should so.
2: each pick our favorite random stat. We should each pick one to do of these random stats that we collected because we collected a lot of them.
0: Well, if I'm being honest, Brian collected them. But uh, yes. I will take Taysom Hill, since I did write about him for quick reads here. Uh, Taysom Hill, if you're not aware, three touchdowns, touchdowns running, one touchdown passing. Uh, he's only the, I think, 13th player to do that. Uh, and then he also had 100-plus rushing yards. He joins Ronnie Brown in the Wildcat game against New England and the and Tomlinson in just one of his random great games. Uh, the only players ever with 100 rushing yards, three-plus rushing touchdowns, and and a passing touchdown. Yes. He was the I first. I remember the Damien
2: Tomlinson game. I think it was 2004 or five, mm-hmm. and it was against the Giants. Correct. I remember because I remember. I remember for so. I, I'm terrible at remembering these things, but I remember exactly where I was when I watched it. Mm-hmm. At a bar in Brookline. I don't know why I remember this, but that game stands out to me. That with Tomlinson game.
0: That is random. TC <laughs> uh, Hill, of course, also plays special teams. He's the first NFL player since the merger. With a kick return, two rushing touchdowns, and a passing touchdown in a single game, you have to go back to uh, you know a prior uh, era, <laughs> prior deep into the uh, historical earth of the NFL. Lenny Moore, George Califero, Charlie Connolly, guys like that. But he, to get uh, the, the the two rushing, one passing, and a kick return in the same game, but even taking out of the two rushing touchdowns. One passing touchdown, one rushing touchdown, and a kick return in the same game. It's been 21 years since anyone's done that, and the last do it was Deuce McAllister of these New Orleans Saints. So I guess it's just a New Orleans thing.
1: Brian,
2: oh, yeah. what's your, what's your favorite of the random stats
0: this week? Yeah, my just, favorite. Yeah,
2: my oh,
1: favorite. Sorry, stat, go, ahead, go ahead. My favorite stat is probably the fact that uh, apparently teams have said the best way to cover Justin Jefferson is to not cover Justin Jefferson at all. Uh, this week, Jefferson had 12 receptions. Nine of them came on open targets, which Next Gen Stats defines as more than three yards of separation. He leads the NFL in receptions with 25 and yards on open targets this season. I would suggest to the Vikings' future opponents to try covering Justin Jefferson with literally anybody, any human being on Justin Jefferson is going to be better than what you are currently doing. I do not know how Jefferson keeps getting so wide open. It, it's not it's not being crazy, that he's schemed up or anything. He's just not being covered, and he's too good for that to happen. He's too good for that to happen. I, it
2: reminds me of Travis Kelsey last night. Like there were red zone; they were in the red zone. Mm-hmm. One of those plays, and Kelsey literally was not covered. Yeah, Give, and here hey, he's, I mean, honestly, that's he on the other team, other than the quarterback. He's got three touchdowns so far, and you're in the red zone, and you don't cover
1: him. Yeah. I, touchdowns on 25 yards receiving. That's yes. yeah. the, the that pretty 93.
0: Speaking of four one, yards per catch.
1: I have a
2: Mahomes Kelsey stack with a Devontae Adams Chaser in one of my fantasy leagues. Oh, that, that was a nice night for you. <laughs> so that was a nice night for me. Um My favorite stat is the Lions going 0 for 6 on fourth down, being the worst by any team. So first, I ran it on StatHead, and I didn't see anyone else do it on Twitter. So I think I'm the first one who reported on this, that this was the worst that any team had done since at least 1994, which is as far back as StatHead goes on Pro Football Reference. Then I sat there during the late game, and I went through all of our workbooks for 81 through 93 and found that not only was this the worst since 94, this was the worst since 81. Then Elias came out and said, this was the worst fourth down performance by any team over the last 45 years. So I assume that goes back to 1977. So here's what I wanna know, and I wish I knew somebody from Elias so they could answer this question. Is it that your numbers only go back to 1977? Or was there a team in 1977 that went 0 for 7 on fourth downs? And if so, who was it? I want to know what that game was like. That's what I want to know. Like, is it just that that's as far back as your numbers go? Or is there really a team that did worse than this? Because it was unreal. There were two fourth downs that were good decisions. There was one that was a bad decision that I think was caused by the fact that they had a rookie backup kicker. The one where they went for fourth and nine instead of kicking a 50-yard field goal. And then there were three that were, oh, my God, it's the second half. We're losing by a ton of points. We have no
1: choice. Where the analytics don't don't play a role.
2: And they couldn't get any of them.
1: Yeah, that fourth and nine, which I think that that was the one that ended up with the uh, defensive strip touchdown. Wasn't it? Yeah, that but, was the one that ended up with the strip six, Yep, that that's the one where where you know the Lions should be should be stamped because even with the rookie kicker going for fourth and nine, that situation was kind of crazy. But yeah. like the other five were fine, uh, and it's just it's you know when you put there's so much emphasis on these fourth down things that you know failure on these small subset of plays leads to this kind of big blowout that happened you know just right. there's such like analytics
2: analytics analytics the last 3 of these were because they were losing by 28 points and they had no choice <laughs> That's not an analytics play that's a, like oh my god like we're losing the game here what it is is a uh, uh, Dan Campbell has too much um personal uh uh self assurance to kick a field goal so that he doesn't get shut out.
0: Uh, that is close to wrapping things up. I've been told that we are we like these guys, the Underdog Fantasy, so much that we're actually gonna uh, read their plug again here because you still can play on underdog fantasy with us and double your first deposit up to a hundred dollars with promo code outsiders. Even with NFL best ball season over, underdog has other user-friendly game formats to spice up all the games. Try their Battle Royale, a six-round best ball style draft with simpler chances to win the traditional daily fantasy sports sites. Or try their pick 'em games where you can wager on players' chances to go higher or lower than their projected stat lines, even in states where traditional prop betting currently isn't available. Underdog is the fastest growing fantasy site around. Join the fun over at UnderdogFantasy.com or download Underdog in the App Store and use promo code OUTSIDERSNOW to double your first deposit up to 100 bucks. All right. I think it's going to do it for today. Thank you, Aaron, for all your help. Thank you, Brian, for all your help putting this show together. It's greatly appreciated. Uh, hope you enjoyed the show, everyone. Thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next week.